0: This is Bob Palmer and you're listening to Zone Talk by Sport Excel, where the magic of the zone is a game changer. In every episode, we dive into the lives of high performers and learn their amazing strategies so that you can take leadership of your game, your team, and your life. I'd like to welcome Sensei Heather Fiddick of the shintani Wadakai Karate Federation, where she is a Senate member on the governing body. She is also the vice president of Karate Alberta, and on the board of Karate Canada. She is a chartered professional coach, sixth degree black belt, a former national and international competitor. She has seven programs under her nonprofit umbrella, South South Calgary Wadokai, and has graduated more than 75 students to black belt. She has an extensive list of accomplishments as a competitor nationally and internationally, both in her federation and for Canada and has coached gold, silver, and bronze medal athletes over seven years at the international level. She has hosted more than 25 tournaments, countless clinics, and was the first ever recipient in karate in Canada for the Petro Canada Excellence in Coaching Award. She has raised three girls to adulthood and rides her motorcycle alongside her husband. Welcome, Sensi Heather.
1: Ah, thanks, Sensei Bob. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic. This is, uh, it's, it's been a great week. Absolutely. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your club and uh, how you got started, you know, how many structures, uh, structures you have, some of the structure of it?
1: Oh, definitely. So, we started actually a couple clubs up in Edmonton uh, while we were living there, uh, and uh, one in Edmonton and one in St. Albert. And then subsequently, we moved to Japan, did the teach English thing over there, and uh, of course, did karate and competed. And then coming back to uh, Canada, we didn't know exactly where we wanted to live and ended up uh, in Calgary. So after a short time in Calgary, it was time to start a karate club. And so we started uh, the South Calgary Wadokai Karate Club in 1994 and incorporated in 1996. So we're... Well into twenty five years of uh, of this club, uh, with myself and my husband, the girls have all come up through the club. Uh, Our eldest daughter is a Nidan, second degree black belt. Our middle daughter got up to brown, but she was a a fairly heavy uh, competitive gymnast, so uh, that took uh, precedent. And then uh, our third daughter is uh, a Nidan as well, and she competes for Canada on the junior national team. And uh, this time last year, we were at the World Championships in Chile.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, now with COVID, that, then your next uh, you know, uh, trip to an international competition may be a little while.
1: Well, we've been really lucky. Uh, we're already back in the dojo and uh, 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 we've had to... Uh, do a lot of COVID things, and which has actually been really good because with so many instructors, not everybody gets a chance to teach as much. And we've really divvied up uh, the tasks involved, so uh, everyone's getting a lot more coaching experience. And I've kind of put my mask on and j- just sat back and done some some of the mentorship uh, in the since the fall began. So I'm, it's a different experience, but I think it's very important experience.
0: In some ways, that's more difficult than actually teaching the class.
1: Oh, definitely is. Yeah.
0: So you, you have a nonprofit club. What, what does that mean exactly?
1: So, when we started the, uh, the organization, we could have incorporated and made it a business, but uh, the nonprofit model was, was nice. You can still make money uh, and that. And uh, although I've been a volunteer for 25 mm-hmm. years plus, uh, thanks to my husband having a, a very good job that uh, uh, gives us enough income to support our. our let's call it a hobby but uh, you know with so many people going through the organization and uh, it gives us an opportunity to fund uh, uh, people who might not have an opportunity to travel. Uh, It gives us an opportunity to give back to the community in a lot of different ways and so the nonprofit model worked for us. It doesn't work for everybody but it definitely works for us.
0: So I mean how did you get into leadership? I know some people leave leadership to others and simply follow uh, and other people, it seems to be in their DNA. I mean, heck, nobody else is doing this. I want it done. So I do it. How, How? what's your experience there?
1: Actually, that's, uh, I was just doing a coaching course uh, the other day uh, uh, and uh, leadership is in the DNA. I think uh, some people are just more apt to it and some people are not. And In fact, in our family, I think we have five leaders, which doesn't tend to, (laughs) tends to uh, cause a little bit of chaos sometimes is, is like uh, when it comes to organizing things. Uh, I think part of it is, is the firstborn. Uh, So I'm the eldest of a family of, uh, 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 there's three of us. And uh, so tends to be the role of the eldest to, to be a little bit of a leader. Um, Through school, I was always kind of one of those leaders and, uh, uh, you know, growing up and then in karate, uh, moving up through the that role. And then I think just having the, uh, being the matriarch of the family and, and that uh, we created leadership that way. In your daily kind of training environment, you become a leader. And then uh, running the club, uh, of course, attributes uh, a lot of leadership skills.
0: So what do you find most challenging in your day-to-day club leadership roles? Uh, I mean, is that uh, managing others or just managing students? What...
1: Um, I don't think managing students or or, uh, or even the coaches and the instructors. I think uh, most of them are all fairly motivated. Uh, so, you know, I guess managing uh, oh, I do the administrative tasks and uh, uh, just day to day and Uh, I don't mind it. I enjoy it. Uh, So it gives opportunities for other people to just either train, which we have lots of uh, black belts that just want to train. We have students that want to excel and become national athletes and travel. And uh, we have some that want to coach, some that want to instruct, some that want to officiate. It's it's really nice uh, to have a whole, you know, uh, of of opportunities for people. We have people that do shindo, which is a weapon that uh, Sensei Shintani brought up. And uh, what is that? Have,
0: what what is
1: uh, shindo? It's um it's a short staff, and uh, Sensei Shintani actually helped design it for some of the police work in Ontario uh, back years and years ago. And uh, I used to do a lot of shindo, but uh, I've got. Uh, some health issues with my hands lately, but I've got a great uh, group of, uh, of uh, black belts in our club that have taken over and uh, uh, they are taking that tradition and the legacy of, of Shindo through our organization. Okay. And it, I find that it's a lot of um, our older students, but or our younger students that are not interested in competition, they just want to do the traditional aspects of karate, are really interested in the Budo. Okay. So it's been really good that way.
0: Now you've um, you've been certified as a, a in coach training in a very sp- specific certification. And um, why did you do that? I mean, wh- what benefits have you achieved through that process?
1: The benefits have been great, actually. It's really uh, opened my eyes to look across other sports and best practices in in. Uh, all different sports, team sports, individual sports, um, uh, stuff outside of karate. And I've always been involved with a lot of sports and, you know, I'm kind of fairly active all the time. So I can do almost anything. Um, surfing has been a very hard, challenging one. Never been able to, to surf properly. can wakeboard or snowboard, but surfing is, is a little bit challenging. Anyways, uh... I wanted to learn more about how to be a better coach and to communicate better practices and uh, uh, not just the, the technical, tactical pro, uh, stuff that goes into coaching at a high performance level, but the actually the, all of the soft skills. And I'm finding that I'm actually more attuned to a lot of the soft skills and I still need to build on my technical, tactical at the high performance level. but. Um,
0: what, what really kind of, and truly? What kind of soft skills are you talking about?
1: Uh, well, just things like remembering to make sure that uh, uh, you listen, that you are um, actively listening, not just kind of um, sitting sitting there and pretending. Uh, helping students uh, um, create process goals out and uh, not to focus so much on the out- outcome goals. Things just as fu- as easy as just kind of... Knowing where they are, where they want to get to, and them as humans first, as opposed to just athletes first.
0: And in that program, do you get to, to actually mingle and meet other uh, professional coaches from other kind other sports? And and, and if you're not ice, you're not in, in an island, you actually get a chance to reach out beyond your your particular sport. Is that right?
1: Oh oh, absolutely. So um, through the uh, Coaching Association of Canada. They run a a national coaching certification program. So I've been heavily involved in that and uh, now uh, uh, a learning facilitator and a coach uh, coach evaluator. So I'm doing that as well. And then uh, last year I was invited to the Petro Canada um, uh, Sports Leadership uh, Summit in Vancouver and uh, it was amazing. Like there's like a thousand people there and you just got to interact and and it was amazing that you start walking around. And you go, "Hey, I know you. We used to play hockey together. Hey, we used to go to school together." And uh, and then you start to talk to people that I was. I remember I was talking to the one fellow, and he actually came from an army background, and he was becoming a. Prof- he was a professional coach, but that was his background, and he was a really interesting person to speak with. And then, as it turns out, he was from Ghetto. And he knew uh, his first karate coach was, uh, is one of the coaches I coach with uh, uh, in Canada. So it's, it's a small world when it comes down to it, even though there's a thousand coaches there. Uh, got to uh, meet, a, 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 uh, I was on a conference call uh, not that long ago for women in sport and uh, Nick nurse was uh, was our guest uh, uh, coach that came on and he spoke about some of the stuff and it was it was right around the time that all of the racial bias and stuff was going on and, um, and so he spoke to that and it was uh, it was really interesting to hear that perspective from uh you know not just an elite level but a professional level uh, coach so yeah, it was really interesting. So having to make all of these connections across the board, uh, you know, you've, you're all of a sudden you're a little fish in a big pond, and now wow, you get to swim around and meet all of these amazing and and glean onto what they do, and uh, it's been really exciting.
0: On a day to day basis, if you run into something that you you know need help with, could you could, could you actually access them? I mean, can you call somebody up and that you've had these conferences with? Is it that kind of relationship? It is.
1: It is that kind of community. I, I might not uh, be able to just give Nick Nurse a call, but uh, uh, you know what? I, I bet you, I, if uh, a lot of them won, um, we had a, a guest speaker uh, the other day, um, uh, Hadia Rodriguez, and uh, she was really impressive speaker, and uh, got to listen to uh, some of her stories of uh, of resilience and courage and that. And uh, it was it was really good. It was empowering for me. Uh, uh, so that I and hopefully through me I can you know motivate some of our students and athletes that may ha- come up against these types of challenges.
0: So you, so talk about challenges. Uh, you're also coaching athletes with a disability. Yeah. How can you best describe that area of coaching for you personally?
1: It's it's amazing. Uh, it is uh, it's so exciting to see. These people transform from, uh, you know, just being a a totally excited athlete to coming out of their shell and becoming absolute performers on the day of and winning, like it's absolutely incredible. Um, One of our athletes, uh, Natalie, who's also, I've known her for 20 some years and uh, uh, she grew up through our our club and our dojo, and then uh, she was actually our, our first athlete with a disability to compete for Canada at the world level. And uh, we get to Bremen, and uh, she she's like decides she's nervous. This is the kid that can you know go out in front of everybody at a and do do fantastic and sing at church and do all sorts of things. And we get get there, and she's standing around looking, and she's like, I forgot my kata. I'm like, what? You're a black belt. You've been doing this for like, like 10 years. Yeah, I forgot. And it was all just nerves. So that's where these soft skills come in, right? Like, what are you going to do? You're just gonna make him do push-ups. Well, that's not gonna solve the problem. You're gonna yell at them. Well, that's still not gonna solve the problem. So we—it was—it was a huge challenge, and I had to be so creative and on the spot and suppress everything that was inside of me and focus everything on her. So we only had an hour. <laughs> and I think we we uh, got through uh, an active. Uh, Active 10 minutes, and that was it. And the rest of it was all just putting things into perspective and understanding the reasons that she's here, uh, going through all of her talents, coming up with words to inspire and thoughts to inspire. And uh, so, yeah, it was... You have to be very creative on the spot, and you have to listen and stay in tune because uh, I've made my mistakes as well, right? You know, I've got... Not every athlete is exactly the same, and the these ones are even uh, uh, often athletes with disabilities are even more diverse. So it's definitely uh, listening, watching, uh, understanding, and then and then executing afterwards.
0: Natalie did quite well, did she not?
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, So at that actually at that event, she did not. She placed uh, right near the bottom. And uh, in 2014, so, but that was actually good. There's more lessons in, in losing than there are winning often, right? And she came home with a vengeance and a purpose and, a, you know, then all I did has have to give her the process. And uh, after that, we, we got a, a few more um Uh, athletes with disabilities. Patricia uh, Wright, who became our first Canadian gold medalist and uh, in 2016 and another fellow, uh, Simon, came on board and uh, so we took a team of three athletes with disabilities to uh, uh, Linz, Austria in uh, 2018 and that's where Patricia won gold and Natalie won silver. It was absolutely incredible. We had two Canadian athletes competing head-to-head on the podium for first and second place. Wow. So, uh, unbelievable. And uh, the following, and then in 2018, we are in Madrid, and uh, they ended up getting split. So uh, uh, Patricia uh, fought for gold and uh, ended up winning silver, and Natalie had to fight for bronze and ended up winning bronze. So uh, we had, but again, we had Canada uh, on Twice on the podium, so you know it's uh, it was amazing. And I think those two girls uh, or those two women they have um, they compete against one to one another, uh, not always in the healthiest way, but uh, they they do inspire each other in in various ways, and it has created uh, definitely an upward drive for them and uh, for them to achieve. It's been it's amazing.
0: I mean, some people are afraid to have people compete to win because they lose. Can you speak to that? I mean, here's a young lady who who lost and had more fire in her belly than she had before.
1: Uh, exactly. It's like, you know, if you think about uh, uh, even teams like NHL teams or professional teams, they win the cup the year before. They're like there's all these heavy expectations. Or if you win a gold medal at the Olympics, you know, previously, and you're there again, there's higher expectations on you. So there's people that are watching you, watching you. You have higher expectations on yourself. So there's that being on the top and trying to stay on the top. But there's also this this uh, um, this person that, when you lose, you have to learn all of these lessons on how to win. So. I I want to win because this, 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 this. And I think those are easier to overcome uh, than it is to overcome if you are on top and how do you stay on top. So a few lessons there. And uh, Natalie came home and I have to say, it was not me that motivated her. I, I, she came home with the motivation. She had the inspiration and then I just kind of facilitated it. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a, an exciting time for us.
0: Well, we had a young man in our club, very similar, and not only did it help him in karate, but he just, everywhere in his life, I mean, he couldn't even look me in the eyes, and, and now you can't shut him up. He's <laughs> such an engaging young man. I, have you noticed that kind of thing in, in with these, oh, these young ladies?
1: Well, uh, even in, uh, for Patricia, she is... Um, She has gone on to be a a huge advocate for, and she's always been an advocate, but I think, you know, these lessons that she learned when she uh, was competing, she's brought back and she has um, become a huge advocate for athletes with disabilities. Uh, She's on our Athlete Council for Karate Canada. She's um, also, uh, you know, dipping your foot into uh, both coaching and officiating uh, in Ontario and uh, she's an Ontario athlete. And uh, so she's she's really, really working hard and a great promoter. Um, uh, some of the other athletes don't have perhaps those abilities or those opportunities, um, just given their uh, various disabilities, um, but they have other abilities. So for example, uh, uh, Natalie has gone on to, to help uh, teach in our class programs and things like this. Uh, She's inspired a couple other athletes uh, out West here that are now working towards their black belt. Uh, I think you have one little fellow named Conrad who's um, a brown belt here out here in uh, rural uh, Alberta. And uh, he trains in his basement with his mom. His mom is his instructor and and he is going to be an amazing athlete. He has competed at uh, the junior nationals because he just turned 18 recently. So he's competed at junior nationals and he just gets up there and we actually have to teach him not to smile, uh, when he's competing. Cause he's got this huge, huge grin. And, uh, uh, so I would show you my huge grin, but I have a little, uh, incident with my lip here. And I lost, lost a fight to a truck. So, uh, yeah, not, like, uh, like we were talking before, things don't happen on the dojo floor. They happen like in just in life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you can't brag about this I took this in a fight is it?
1: <laughs> yeah no truck door yeah
0: so so it sounds like you have a lot of creativity did is that you or did this program help you get that kind of creativity to work with all manner of uh, karate students
1: uh actually no I've just always been really creative like but uh, my, my uh, dojo instructors uh, well if the kids will be doing something and you can tell. You're reading it; it's just not going well. They're not focused. They're not engaged. They just ate ten pounds of Halloween candy, and you have to change on a dime. And I have that ability to just change on a dime and re-engage them in a maybe it's a fun activity that's uh, that's still building uh, their skills. Uh, but it'll just pop right into my head, and it'll come out. And my instructors will look at me and go where did that come from? (laughs) Uh, So, and actually when it does come to some of the technical and tactical stuff, um, uh, being creative is also really, really important because if you all of a sudden are watching and something's not working right, um, maybe a transition in, in a cut is not working properly and you have to kind of reverse engineer it. And then you finally get to the root of what it is. And, uh, whether it be biomechanical or mental, and then you have to forward uh, revise it. And, and uh, how can I be creative? Uh, so sort we're of standing against a wall, do we use this tool or that, uh, this person or another activity? Um, do we use a video? What, what kinds of things? And so from the technical end, it's also important to be creative as well, to figure out and problem solve.
0: And, and how does that work for getting your athletes ready to compete?
1: Uh, it's, it's, I'm learning. I'm still learning every day. I'm learning and, uh, you know, mistakes are made here and there, you know, a motivational word for one athlete works fantastic. You say the motivational word or the comment to another athlete and it backfires. Okay. Just learned a lesson. Okay. How am I going to work this? And a lot of it comes down to knowing your athlete as well. And, uh, but, uh, so that's that active listening process and and reading your athletes and things like that and not being able to or not putting everybody in the same uh, round round uh, hole because uh, we're all square pigs.
0: (laughs) Which uh, allows uh, for some creativity to to overcome that that squareness. now, I once had a shoulder injury and I, I taught myself in about two hours how to bowl with my left hand or I had to sit on the bench and, and watch everyone. <laughs> I understand you taught yourself how to play hockey as an adult, which is uh, n- not, <laughs> not common. What was that like?
1: Uh, well, you know what? When we moved back from Japan, uh, I, was, um, I was looking around. I'm like, oh, man, uh, I got to do something else, uh, j- not just karate. I got to be a little bit more multi multi-faceted uh, so there is a sign that says girls play hockey and i'm like oh okay well i've always wanted to play hockey so I phoned up the the person and uh, i still keep in t- contact with this woman she's she's a fair bit older now uh but she was a huge inspiration for me she said just come out and try it and uh actually believe it or not one of the shinny games that i just went on the open ice Haley wickenheiser she was a young girl then was on the ice and i was Completely, uh, just was like, wow, that was amazing. And she was a lot; she was a few years younger than me at the time, and uh, she would have been in her early twenties at the time. So, I just, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try out for this team. I borrowed some of my husband's equipment, and i I'd, I'd worn figure skates, so I, but so I had to buy some hockey skates and I had to buy a stick, and I could skate fairly well, but didn't know how to use the implement very. Uh, at all and I kind of knew the rules and uh, found out that you're not actually supposed to hit people uh in in shinny uh learned the hard way because you hit once they hit you back and they say there's no hitting oh okay yeah so <laughs> so that was it was good um and then I just uh continued on I stayed on a team and uh moved up to, uh, one division to the next division and and uh I'm at a place right now where uh you know, it, we've had some coaches on the bench, but most of it has all been self-taught and uh, uh, peer-taught. So you, you listen to these uh, other people that are on the bench and uh, how they play and uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of how I've learned how to coach as well as being mentored and not direct mentorship, but peer mentored uh, from, from people who are, are, are good at it.
0: Were you a good or bad student to yourself and did it reveal any insights into your you know you into you coaching beginners
1: um, I, I'm always a little bit harder on myself than i I probably I'm harder on myself than I am on my students actually uh, I think when I was younger I was a little bit harder on the students but uh, I think I, I've mellowed a bit in my age and but that's okay because I got the younger ones coming up and they fill my fill my mean shoes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, you've had some, I uh, um here, just, uh, do you have any mentors in terms of leadership? Do you have a specific role model or are you multiple role models or uh, does, does anyone stick out?
1: Yeah, I have a few actually. Uh, my husband's a, a huge role model for me. Um, he's a very logical thinker. Uh, he says what he says, and uh, uh, I take the best from that and leave the rest. And, uh, uh, you know, um, Sensation Tani was a, a definitely a, a role model in how he, in perseverance and resilience and uh, how he uh, persevered through... Uh, the wartime camps, he was in the war camps in, in Interior B.C. as a child and uh, through his resilience uh, he grew and uh, started this amazing uh, federation that, that I belong to. Uh, I have a couple other role models, um, uh, on, especially on some of the technical end is uh, Katerina Varevikova, uh out of Quebec and uh, uh, Pam Ross out of B.C. They've, they're very good technical coaches, really, really good. Uh, Their soft skills are good. They have a good rapport. And this is especially at the high performance level. I've been, I've been a, I'm an excellent instructor. I'm a great uh, lower level coach. But my high performance coaching skills are still developing. And those have been my peer supports for uh, and, um, and uh, mentors for, for that. Uh, it's been fantastic and uh yeah no uh, uh I've, I've got a few other ones but uh those those are the the big focus ones
0: how do you access them i mean do you do you ever sit back and and say okay how would sensei shantani have done this or or how would katarina do this or i mean what's your what's your strategy for that or is it just well, come
1: a lot of it is reflective so um after an event or training session uh, I I write some notes and uh, you know I won't go back to them right away Uh, I'm more of a uh, kind of a reflective person I'll think about it think about it how would uh, and if I'm at a training session say with Natalie or even even just in the dojo uh, I'll reflect and say how could I do this different and I don't always say oh how would uh, he or she or they do it it's more of uh, it'll just become a little bit more intuitive. Uh, the one thing that I think is always important is is to always recognize those people. And it doesn't always have to be an outward recognition, but, uh, you know, because uh, some of my students might not know who that person or this person is. But I think recognizing and acknowledging where that information came from is important. So, you know, like uh, I've used you as an example, As you know, we'll be doing some, some prep work and mental prep work before, uh, an event. And I go, well, you know, says Bob, and we always say says Bob, uh, says Bob says that this will work for this in this case, and this case, why don't we try some of the tools that he's provided? Uh, you know, so I think acknowledging that it's not my, my intellectual property, so to speak, it's where it came from. I, I think is important.
0: Cool. Cool. One last question. For, for anyone in a coach, leadership role, do you have one last piece of advice?
1: Uh, let's see. couple things. Uh, being a coach is not always about being technical and tactical. It's really important about being, having some of those soft skills like respecting, listening, communicating. Uh, those ones are really, really important. Um, focusing on things that the athletes can do and not what they can't do. And this is particularly important at the very very beginning when you're starting either in a, uh, a yearly training plan or uh, with a beginner or uh, anything like that, uh, e- even preschoolers. I had a, actually a really interesting conversation with a mom the other day, and she's, um, you know, my son, all he does is crawl on the floor. He's three and a half. And um, I'm actually not in the class because it's not part of my cohort, but I go there and I, I, I have my mask on and I'm in the corner usually. And uh, I said, well, I said, that's okay because he's learning to explore his environment the way he wants to. And he will eventually join in because the first three days, the whole month of September, all I did was sit beside you on the floor. And everybody will come at their own time. So just just let them do their own thing. And remember that it's fun. So promote the funness in it. It's not about uh you know the skill acquisition, especially when you're three and a half years old. Uh and even at the beginning of, of a training a yearly training plan is is just what can they do? Well they can do this and they can do this. Okay, let's explore that. And then we start building and building and then at the end You know, if you focus on the things that they can't do, well, they're not going to do the things that they know how to do really well. And so, so those are a couple pieces of advice. Um, And I think just remember that people start sports and continue sports as lifelong things because it's fun. They're not, you know, sometimes it's a paycheck, but uh, (laughs) uh, it's not for me. It's it's all about the fun. They love it. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, thank you very much, Cincy Heather. It's been. uh, a pleasure speaking with you, and I've learned so much, and uh, I look forward to uh, having this conversation in the future again.
1: Well, thank you so much, Nancy Bob, and it was great, and I, it was a great honour to be able to, to chat with you and talk about my journey.
0: Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode of Zone Talk by Sport Excel has ended. But be sure to subscribe and be sure to rate and review us so that we can continue to bring you the best zone and high performance content. See you on the next episode.